All right, uh, I've got my Aunt Onita Lemons, my Aunt Yvonne, she's actually my cousin, but <laughs> she's, so uh, she's so old I call her Aunt. <laughs> and the same goes for Aunt Donalyn Harden. <laughs> they are Aunt Onita and Uncle Bob's daughters. And uh, sitting behind them is Troy Dale Lemons, who is Uncle Bob's son and Aunt Onita's son. And, <laughs> and your cousin. And my cousin. So it's my cousins and their mother, my aunt, Aunt Onita. And uh, she is the daughter of Jesse uh, Gifford and Chester Gifford, my grandparents. And uh, Aunt Onita, I believe, had a story, so I'm going to give her the mic. Okay. This is the reason that I can't ever remember a joke. This, this is the last whipping I ever had in my life by my mother. And I think it was probably the worst. I had been visiting a friend the night two before, Reba Cooper. And um, she was telling me a bunch of jokes. I didn't know any jokes at the time. So she told me this joke. Well, I was home the next day or two, and Norman Riggin was uh, spending the night with my brother Ted. And they were in the living room um, telling jokes, Mutt and Jeff and that sort of thing, uh, while I was in the kitchen washing the dishes. Mother was gone to the, the lot, to the barn, to milk the cow. And uh, they told us two or three jokes, and I was just getting all in interested in them, and I just decided that I need to tell a joke, but I realized I didn't know but one joke, and it wasn't really really something I figured I needed to be saying, but I just decided to go in there and tell them I had a joke anyway. <laughs> and so I told them the joke. The joke was that there was this young couple that was fixing to get married, and they were in this... A uh, furniture store buying, uh, fur looking at furniture to buy. So the man comes by and sees this beautiful piano, and he said, "Do you need to piano? Piano? That's her name. Was Anna?" She said, "Well, no, I don't believe I do right now." <laughs> <laughs> so. About the time I finished, my mother rushed through the door with her milk and set it down in the living room floor, said, I need to come go with me. We went out back, and I'm sure she got the biggest switch she'd ever used on me, and I had the hardest whipping I ever had in my life, and I've never really wanted to tell jokes afterwards, <laughs> so she got her point across. <laughs> I, I usually refrain from talking during these very much, but I have a similar story uh, about Granny Gifford. Now, she never, she never had to hit me more than once in her whole life and in mine. And uh, that was when, and I'm going to move this over here so we don't get so much reverb. But... I was, we, it was when mom was sick and we were, 
I was little. I was probably five or six, which means Jason was 15 or 16. Jason Reeves is my brother. I'm sure we'll have him on at some point. Um, and he was a jerk uh, <laughs> growing up. He just loved to make me miserable. And he was, he's grown up. We're friendly now. Uh, we actually live across the highway from each other. But uh, we were mortal enemies growing up because he had been the baby uh, for 10 years and thought he had it made, and I came along and just ruined his life. <laughs> and uh, Jason was sitting out on the front porch at Granny Gifford's, and we had been staying out there because my mother was sick, our mother was sick, and uh, she was in the hospital. And me and Jason were staying with Granny Gifford, and he was out there on the porch, and he got to... Uh, he found a short stick of PVC pipe and was plucking berries off of Granny Gifford's bush oh, you don't do that. and would put them in his mouth and shoot them at me through that PVC pipe. And uh, I decided I would do the same. And he decided uh, that I could use the PVC pipe. And I I'm fairly sure that I'm exaggerating here. Things go into my mind that come out exaggerated, but I feel like he set me up. And <laughs> he, <laughs> he handed me that PVC pipe and told me I could shoot berries if I wanted to. And, of course, uh, you know, Granny came out there, and she actually said she didn't mind if we picked berries off of this one. It was a very Garden of uh, Eden thing. She said, you can pick berries off this bush, but do not take from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> and that's not exactly what I'm paraphrasing. She, she said that we could have berries off this one bush and off the other. And somebody told me at some point later that this was probably because the berries off of one bush were poisonous. However, those berries fit that PVC pipe just right to where you could get a real high velocity and... I decided I wanted to shoot him at Jason since he'd been shooting him at me. And, uh, you know, I knew Granny told us not to pick those berries, but I just, I had to do it. I had to, the, those little bitty berries off the other bushes that she said we could pick, they just weren't getting enough speed to do any harm. And I got me a handful of those, and I just decided I'd keep them in my hand hidden, and I wouldn't, you know, parade them around, and maybe Granny wouldn't know. And I started you know, pelting Jason on those berries. And I, I think it was as soon as I got the first one out the barrel, mm -hmm. she flung the door open and walked over to me. And I had my hand behind my back. And she said, what do you have in your hand? And I showed her my empty hand that, <laughs> that didn't have any berries in it. I said, nothing. And she wasn't that dumb, so... <laughs> She said, show me what's in your other hand. And I knew I was done. It was over. Jig was up. So I pulled out my hand full of the berries she told me not to pick. And as soon as light crested on those berries, she had hit me across the face so hard <laughs> that I was on the floor. I was on the ground of that front porch. And I, I don't remember a lot about what happened after that, but... I do remember I never, ever crossed Granny so badly that she had to hit me again. Not one single time. 
she had a will about her to inflict discipline on children in a way that made them fear her and God. And it was very effective. Amy. <laughs> I can't think of either. I mean, I, I can't think of either right now. But. Okay. Um, I, I would tell the story about uh, Granny threatening to whip me, but I'll wait and let Troy tell that one. He tells it much better than I do. Since I was so young, I did not know, and he does. <laughs> so I'll let him tell that one. Um, I can remember that uh, around the 4th of July was always the time that corn came uh, ready to to pick and grandpa would pick it and he would bring it and put it in the backyard and my brothers and sisters my mother my daddy my aunts my uncles anybody that was available we all got together and we did the corn and I thought that the main thing that needed to be done with the corn was that it needed to be shucked and the worms needed to be taken out of, which was Troy's job. <laughs> and um, then I think my mother was probably in the house with Granny. She may have been out there. Somebody took a big butcher knife and cut all the worm doo-doo out. <laughs> and then it fell to my lap to take those little hairy things out. Well, Granny came out, and she was not happy with the way that the little hairy things had gone. And she thought that I could do a better job than what I thought that I could do. And so she kind of taught me a lesson about that. Um, she um, said that maybe I had just a few more minutes to get those silks off of that corn and she would be back out of the house to pick it up that everybody was working hard for me to get the look off my face and maybe my eyelids could open up a little better so I could see the hair on the corn. Now, yes, that was one of my eye-opening moments. She also put into my mind that there was going to be a couple of watermelons going down to Jenkins Ferry later in the afternoon. And if there was hair still on the corn, that I probably would not be going with the watermelon and the carload of kids to Jenkins Ferry. I think I did a little better with corn after that. <laughs> a second thing is that she and Miss uh, Edwards were very good friends. I remember the telephone that we had on Granny's back porch that she would wind and wind and wind and it would ring over at Miss Edwards' house and then they would talk a little bit and see how her and Mr. Edwards were doing if they needed anything. And if they needed anything for some reason, she and I went over to take care of it. Miss Edwards' eyes were beginning to get bad, I suppose, because I had to wash dishes for her when I got over there. And the rinse water was nasty. And I mentioned to her that it was nasty. And Granny didn't like the fact that I had mentioned to her that it was nasty. So she straightened me out on that one too. <laughs> uh, then there was the berry pickings over at Miss Edwards' house. And um, if you ever want to think about picking berries, you might think about getting something for the chickers 
because you're going to be covered up in them now. If you go berry picking with Granny, you came back and took a germ troll bath. Germ troll kind of stung places that you didn't know you had. Uh, but it was the best thing for you. There are a lot of people that actually don't know what sugars are. They're a delicacy in the South. Uh, they're these little red, uh, almost invisible uh, translucent little mites. They're in the Iraq and family. They're like ticks. And except you can't see them, you can barely pick them off. And they have an affinity for getting into places they shouldn't. Um, they're awful, and Southerners hate them. And they itch. And they itch. And they itch. Now, the, I'm going to tell one more story, and then I shall know. Well, it all kind of goes together. Miss, Ed, uh, Miss Edwards raised chickens. And so at some time of the year, and I don't know what time of the year it is, Granny would go over and she would, I suppose, on halves, I'm not sure how they did it, but we would go and we would get the chickens and we would take them back to Granny's house. Now, I don't know if we had a coop we put them in. I don't know how we did this. All I can remember is Granny would catch four chickens at a time turn them upside down, and hand them to me. I believe I was ever bit of one and a half. Four chickens outweighed me, and they all, if you turn four chickens upside down, they seem to want to fight with each other. And I sort of screamed and hollered, and I remember my bottom getting slapped so hard that me and the chickens both went flying to the car or the truck, I'm not sure. But uh, I made Granny so mad that she just decided that time it would just be best to kill those darn things. <laughs> so she would just grab them up and snap their necks off and throw them in a pile. And I thought, I better straighten up now. <laughs> I'm not much bigger than the chicken. <laughs> I might be next. <laughs> Okay, that's all I got to say, I think. Yeah, it's, it's weird when you're a kid, and I don't know if everybody has this experience, but it took me a while to realize that my parents weren't likely to abandon me. It was something I was always afraid of. And uh, Dad, when he pushed me out in a boat into the lake for the first time, I thought he was pushing me out there to leave me there. <laughs> I began to cry and would say, you know, Dad, don't leave me. I'm sorry. I'll fix it. And he would, <laughs> I just wanted to do better, whatever it was, because I thought he was just going to push me out there. I wonder sometimes if Allie thinks like that, if she <laughs> is worried that we might leave her or hurt her. It's, it's like you just don't understand quite yet how a parent thing works. I do have two more stories. I'm sorry. I have two on Grandpa. You're fine. Uh, one. Uh, the, the boys talked for about an hour and a half. So. Really? Uh, the one on Grandpa is, uh, actually, it's it's Grandpa and uh, Santa Claus, which, you know, Don Lynn figured out about, how old is she now? Seventh grade. Anyway, last year, she, <laughs> she figured out when her husband was buying Christmas for the kids that that uh, all these years he had been Santa Claus, but um, I never quite understood who, I thought I had an intelligent family, I really thought I had an intelligent family, but Santa Claus, which I always knew was my mother and granny, 
uh, would pack our stockings full of nuts and orange and apples and these little chocolate drops. I don't know if you can see them, find them now or not, but they're cream drops and they have chocolate on the outside of them. And they resolved us mixed up in our stockings. Yeah, they still have those at Cracker Barrel. Every year they were that way. Every year. We always had to have a new stocking every year. And the reason was because about two or three o'clock in the morning, Grandpa would go stock, stock, stoke, stoke up the fire in the little heater that was in the living room. So by the time we got our stocking down, you know, I, the first couple of years it was kind of a surprise to us, but after that we just learned to run it over to the house and put it in the freezer <laughs> so that we could later enjoy our chocolate-covered oranges and apples and nuts. <laughs> but every year it happened. Uh, I, now, I don't know, probably by the time I got married it probably finally finished, but uh, every year it was the same thing, you know. But uh, the other thing about Grandpa was that uh, I, I don't remember how old he was whenever he got prostate cancer. And No, y'all don't worry. I'm not telling that one. <laughs> tell that I'm one not story. telling that story. But uh, I did not have a job. I had a baby that was one month old. And so I was the one that uh, could take him back and forth. He had to have uh, radiation treatments at car time. And uh, it was all, it was every day that Granny didn't go. And Granny did get to go with us sometimes, but most of the time she didn't. It was just me and him and Joe. But he would always do the same thing. We would almost get out of uh, Brush Creek, and he would pat his hip toward his billfold. And he said, Sis, Granny gave me some money. When we get through, why don't we go by and get one of those juicy hamburgers? He was talking about Wendy's hamburgers. He had learned to love Wendy's hamburgers. Now, I can remember for years, Granny had tried to get him to stop in Malvern and have a hamburger because she loved hamburgers. But he never had time or the money. But he seemed to always enjoy it when Jesse gave us money so that we could stop and have one of those juicy Wendy's hamburgers. And uh, he he would always say, I've got the money if you can do the ordering. <laughs> yeah, it's always been uh, a family tradition of ours. For some reason, it's come up a little too often for my taste, but it was always a comfort. Whenever we would have somebody in the hospital in Malvern, we would always that morning go and eat at Waffle House. I, I've always <laughs> grown up loving Waffle House because we would spend the night in the hospital and we would wake up the next morning at 6 a.m. And I remember eating at Waffle House with Aunt Carol Ann and uh, Uncle Robert and uh, Uncle Bob and Aunt Anita uh, several times, a mix of, you know, whoever was there with us. Those were always nice memories. But, uh, yeah, Dad's actually the same way about burgers. <laughs> and uh, the last time... Mom had to go to the hospital. He decided he wanted a hamburger uh, when she went to sleep. So I took him. And it was midnight. I, it took four or five different places for us to find that, you know, they were all closed except for Wendy's. We landed at Wendy's and got us some hamburgers. Um, <laughs> I do have one more. I forgot. That's okay. 
<laughs> when we were going to Cartai, they would lay these, uh, it was actually a um, pillowcase around over him. They would have him to disrobe and then lay these pillowcases. And one day, for some reason, somehow, he got um, his, his pillowcase into his underwear, his briefs that he was wearing. And uh, he put his pants on. Well, the next morning, whenever I picked him up to go, he said, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I got this tangled up in my clothes yesterday, but we're going to have to take it back because they're going to think I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> Yvonne is goading Troydale up to the microphone. I don't know if he wants to go. <clears throat> the only, maybe a uh, couple, one is uh, I can remember uh, realizing that uh, Granny was my grandmother, and obviously she was a grandmother, so she probably wasn't that tough. And uh, <laughs> I came in from, from school during basketball practice, and uh, we had been doing what I called gut busters, where you lay flat down on the floor and you hold your feet together and you hold them about six inches off the floor. And if you've never done that before, about two or three seconds is, and you're you're starting to hurt pretty bad. And uh, the coach, of course, you know, was making you hold them up for as long as you could and all this. And I thought this was the worst thing in the world. And just the fact that I could do it at all was, I thought, was amazing. And so <clears throat> I came home from school and. Ended up over at Granny's, and she was in the kitchen uh, cooking, as she usually was, and and I was telling her about this, and she was having trouble getting this in her mind. It was kind of like she was just, she was listening to me, and I knew she was listening to me, but she couldn't really figure out for sure what I was talking about <clears throat> when I was describing this, and so finally she just laid right down in the middle of the floor between the kitchen table and the sink, and uh, she laid down, and then she stuck her feet up about a 45 degree angle and she said like this and I said no no you gotta you know hold them down close to the to the ground I said you can do that pretty easy but when you hold it close to the ground you can't do it for very long she said okay so she put her feet down like this and I said yeah that's it but you can't hold it there you know that's you know not for very long and she just laid there and she laid there and she laid there and finally, I just got up and walked out. <laughs> so I realized that my grandmother was a lot tougher than I thought. <laughs> As a matter of fact, she had, uh, um, I, I couldn't have come close. And so uh, realized she was, that, that generation is a lot tougher than probably most of us are. The, the other uh, thing that I remember when I was very small, and uh, of course we stayed at Granny's a lot, and basically... Uh, Pretty much, she treated us like one of her kids, and so if we needed spanking, she spanked us, and if we needed whatever. And uh, but after I got old enough to, you know, to realize and kind of who everybody was and how everything worked, well, she went to spank me one day, and I told her <clears throat> that uh, I was going to tell my daddy, and I thought that would really make an impression on her, and she realized that I was going to tell my daddy that she probably wouldn't spank me. But her reply was, well, that'll be fine. I'll spank him, too. <laughs> and I realized that not only was she tough, but she wasn't really scared of too many people. Is there anybody else has anything they would like to share? 
any stories at all. You had a boring life. I was such a good kid. <laughs> I slept through most of it. No, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't pick fairies. I knew not to pick fairies, but the boys can always pick fairies, and they always got in trouble. Well, we seem to be talking a little bit more about mother than we are daddy, but, you know, daddy was gone a lot working, and mother was always at home with us, (laughs) and uh, so, uh, but I remember this one time when uh, my daddy loved tractors, and he had uh, a little bitty, little bitty tractor, uh, called a Gibson tractor, and he had made this little slide thing to use behind it, and it uh, came started coming a snowstorm while we were at at school. Uh, well, a sleet storm, I think I might ought to put it say. And so they turned us out, and we headed toward home. Well, we got to this. Mr. Clifton was Bashers, who owned the store, was driving the bus, and he uh, went to the store. And they tried to get word out, you know, around uh, to people that uh, that if they could to come and pick the kids up. And a lot of them just knew they needed to, you know. And I think that's probably the case with Daddy. So we had this huge uh, wood box. We called it. It was. He used it for quite a few things. He put wood in it in the wintertime. Uh, if he killed a hog, he cleaned it out, and, and he used it to salt the hog down in. And uh, then he cleaned it up, and he used it for wood again. But it was a pretty good-sized box. And it was Ted and myself, and I'm not sure if Billy was old enough to be going to school at that time or not. Uh, but anyway, he put, he got some mother to get him some quilts and that sort of thing. And he got on his little tractor and he came down to the local grocery store, Mr. Clifton and Miss Esther Bashers's, and, uh, to pick us up. And so he, we got into the, the box and he had quilts put over our heads. If we wanted to leave them over there, we, we kind of wanted to see what was going on. <laughs> even though we was getting beaten in the face with hail, but uh, not hail, but uh, sleet. But anyway, he took us home in that little in that little tractor on that slide with that box in it. And then that turned out to be a, a really, really uh, bad winter for us that, 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 you know, just for that period of time. I can remember the same, same time uh, Ted had uh, 4-H hogs, had uh, t- t- two, I think he had two, not positive that, about that, it might have just been one, but he had red hogs for 4-H, and his hog decided he didn't want to stay in that uh, pen, and it's sleeting on him, so he got out. So I remember us having quite a chase all over the slippery hill, we lived on top of the hill, um, getting um till we got that hog caught i can't remember what we did with him when we got him caught but anyway they finally got him caught and then we uh one day during that time we were outside playing 
like you know kids always want to get out there and in, in that stuff and uh, daddy came got us and told us he thought we'd been out there long enough and so he took us inside and this is the first time i remember uh my dad's uh poetic abilities uh my dad was really a good poet and uh, he loved to read, and you know, he, of course, he read the Bible. But he uh, he loved he loved poetry of all kinds, and he he was pretty good at memorizing things, and he knew a lot of stuff by heart. So he took us into the living room by the fire, had a little pot-bellied stove in there, and it was quite nice in there. And he quoted poetry to us for a long time that afternoon. And I was just, I just thought that was the most wonderful thing in the world. I didn't realize my dad was so, knew so much stuff. <laughs> well, you, you have heard the recordings uh, that we posted earlier uh, on the web. I posted them to the Gifford family group on Facebook and I posted them on the podcast webpage as well. Have you heard those? him reading the poetry you gave me the recordings actually no no i haven't because i've not fooled with uh, facebook and stuff for quite a while i get too much stuff to do and i but i do need to is it still will it still be on there oh, i yeah, guess yeah. so i need yeah. to go back and <clears throat> they're actually to it. i put a link to this um podcast that we're doing now i put it in the facebook group and if you click that link, it'll take you to those recordings, and you can play them, parts one, two, and three. And it's him uh, reciting poetry. And I, I mislabeled it as preaching, but it's actually poetry. Yeah. But, I mean, it's really interchangeable because a lot of it is uh, could pass as a sermon, yeah. although a you know, beautifully put poetic sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm... I still, you. I don't know if you remember, you gave me a box of tapes and uh, reel-to-reel tapes as well. Yeah, yeah. I still have it, and uh, I've been looking for years for some way to get those reels recorded correctly, and I've been real afraid to do it myself. I finally found a service that will actually do it for me, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to get them recorded and put on the podcast. It'll be mm-hmm. high-quality audio, better than what I record Anyway, I, I didn't do the best job recording those tapes. I should probably re-record them now that I'm a little older and wiser. But they are there, and mm-hmm. I, you know, feel free to listen to them because they're pretty, pretty neat. Uh, he recites uh, the things you say and the things you do, mm-hmm. which I, I guess was to Granny, um, uh, or was actually, it? That's the one that's on his tombstone, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I uh, he always said that he he wrote that about someone else, and I I, I was I think I understood that he wrote it about Bobby's brother Lloyd Lemons, huh. who was our pastor at the time. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I mean, I, it was it was. But it, but it was he always Daddy always said that he wanted to write his epitaph, mm-hmm. you know, and that was his epitaph. I mean, you yeah. know, it, it, it was Daddy. You know, yeah, at times it seems uh, like it's romantic, but at other times it seems like it could just be anybody. So I was kind of confused on it. Um, I 
do think there are a couple of romantic poems that he wrote to Granny Gifford yeah. recorded Lipstick. in there, too. Lipstick. Lipstick. Yeah. That's Lipstick. the one. I knew it. Look, for some reason, that was in my head, yeah. Lipstick, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lipstick was. But uh, that's that's recorded on there. Those are the ones that were on the cassette tapes. I couldn't get the ones off the reels. Um, and uh, but it, it's a web service, and it it does reel to reel conversions uh, for audio and video. So if if we have any video on reels, I would like to get that converted as well. But I want to do the audio tapes first. Uh, I'm in the process of recording my own home videos from uh, mom and dad's collection over Mm -hmm. and I'm going to post a lot of those on the blog um, because they're Mm -hmm. a lot of them are of Christmas at Granny's Mm -hmm. and from what I understand Carol has a bunch too so I'm going to try and get those and convert them Um, but they're they're good tapes I've watched there's (laughs) kind of an embarrassing one of me being a teenager being a very much a teenager uh (laughs) Right around 2001 or 2002. Hair in your face and black clothes and all? No, just (laughs) pajamas and wearing headphones and uh, pretty much doing this while Dad's trying to talk to me and me going, I don't know, go away. (laughs) Because I had a PDA in 2002 uh, so that I could be one of those phone kids before it was cool, I guess. And I was just sitting there looking at that, and Dad was asking me where the sausage was. And I was just like, I don't know. Go don't away. You're, you're lucky you lived through those. Yeah. <laughs> he had given up. He had had seven kids. He, he wasn't about to go around uh, putting in all the effort for the eighth one. <laughs> going, going, going to prison for you. <laughs> Ronnie uh, Lemons has joined us. <laughs> I got it backwards. Ronnie Harden. I've been doing that all day. That's funny. I couldn't remember Sandy Carmen's first name. I wanted to call her Sandra Carroll. Uh, and I. Ronnie Lemons. I love And uh, I believe I called Aunt Carol. I called Uncle Robert, the son of Jesse and Chester Gifford. And <laughs> said, Aunt, said Aunt Carol married in for some reason. <laughs> well, yeah. There's two other things I want to say about Grandpa. Are we still going? Yeah. It, I uh, what that? I was saying was Ronnie Harden joined us. He's uh, Donna Lynn Harden's husband, and he is married in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he's family. Uh, and Yvonne, what did you have to say? Yeah, one more time. Uh, Grandpa was always... When we came to the table to eat, I can remember lots of times he had the Reader's Digest in his hand. And he would eat and and chew and he would talk and he would ask people. There was new words in the Reader's Digest all the time. And he wanted to know, well, he wanted to make sure everybody that did not know what those new words were, how to pronounce them and what they meant. And he just wanted everybody to be educated and... uh, so then after I married and I had two little kids, uh, Heather was probably maybe two, Joe was three. Joe had a horrible, horrible speech impediment. He could hardly talk at all. It was right before we got him into speech therapy. 
uh, Granny worked at the school during the day, and then I went to work at the school in the afternoon. So Grandpa would come by my house and pick me and the kids up, and we would he would go to pick Granny up, and he would drop me off, and they would take my kids back to uh, his house. And then Granny would lay down on the bed and take a, a little nap, and so he would go pop popcorn. He figured out how somebody had taught him how to put popcorn in a paper sack, not the kind you bought. He didn't buy that. He bought regular popcorn, put it in a paper sack, popped it in the microwave, and then he went and sat, and Granny had a big chair, and it was big enough that he could put a, a kid on each side. And so they would share the popcorn, which my kids loved, and... Uh, then he would work, he would say words back and forth, he would read stories to them, and he would um, work really hard with Joe, and he would make Joe say words over and over and over. He was just sure that he was going to be able to get him to talk plain. Well, unfortunately, I think he had his stroke before he could get him. He did some good with him, but then we had to put him into... Uh, speech therapy and, and get him to where he can talk. He can talk fine today. But uh, he would work from the time that he picked them up. And it took me a good two or three hours to finish the buildings. I cleaned the buildings at the school and get back home and pick them up. And he would still be sitting in that big old chair and they'd have their empty popcorn sack there and there'd be one on each side of them. And Joe at one time decided that he didn't want to work in the afternoon, as he called it, like Grandpa had him working physically. And so he wanted to just lay down on the bed with Granny. And so he would say, tell me a story. And so Granny would tell him a story. And so about three days went along, and he wouldn't go work with Grandpa. He wanted to lay down with Granny. And he'd say, tell me a story. And Granny told him a story, and he said, I'm going in there. You don't know but that one story. <laughs> so, so he went back to work with Grandpa. <laughs> Talking about Grandpa wanting everybody to know stuff. I, that, this is, I don't know why I thought about this, but it's so funny. Grandpa was really into health when he got older. He was really concerned about everybody's health, and so he got him some prevention magazines. And so on Sunday afternoon, if he wasn't reading a scripture and discussing scripture, he was reading to us out of the Prevention Magazine. And to this day, and it's really kind of gross, but uh, he discussed what a BM was supposed to look like. If it, <laughs> if it floats, it does not have enough fiber. And if it sinks, it has enough fiber. So you should all check your BM. <laughs> but he spent a half, a half a Sunday afternoon on that article, and it really stuck. <laughs> So do you check your BMs? I check my BMs every time. <laughs> I'll say, what's more fiber? <laughs> We're doing good. That's that's the time Granny got you, the only time Granny got you. What was that about? Remember that one? Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It was it was when she you you were expecting Kimberly, weren't you? No, she? that was Mother. That, okay. that was mother. No, Granny, that was Jesse the second, huh? I can't remember what down. she. Only I, time she ever got on you. I was ever. giving you a hard time about something. Yeah. And she said, "You listen to me," and I listened to her. <laughs> I Every word she said, and I cannot remember what she said, 
But she got my attention right quick. That's the only time she ever got on to you, ever. Yeah, because I was perfect, doesn't it? <laughs> That's right. You were what you thought. <laughs> I can remember when uh, uh, we were staying with Granny Jessie. Uh, we'd come over and help on the weekends. It was after she had had her stroke, and, and we were staying with her. And, and uh, it would always get stormy on the Friday nights that we were there somehow or another, and, and Arlie would wind up there. <laughs> and we, we'd we have a, a, a Gaither video uh, bunking night, party. bunking party, <laughs> and we had the biggest time. Uh, it, it was. I, I still wish that I could go over there sometimes on Friday night and stay till Saturday night just to <laughs> just to get away. And that was that was a wonderful time. We had a good time. <laughs> yeah, we always said Arlie prayed at the storm because she'd see our car go by. And it wasn't two hours before, if a cloud was even remotely in the sky, she'd call Granny and say she thought it was storming. Like Elijah's <laughs> cloud storm the size of a man's hand? Yeah, she'd be down there. She'd come spend the night and we'd watch her Gaither videos and have a good time. I don't remember any Gaither videos. I remember all the Ray Stevens videos, <laughs> which I rewatched those recently, and I cannot believe I watched those at Granny Gifford's house. Yeah, some of them are pretty. The old spicy. ones, not even the ones that are current. <laughs> like the old ones were pretty racy, especially like the streak and stuff. Uh, I think she more tolerated it than condoned it. Um, I, I actually remember uh, the one time. It may not have been the one time, but the one time that I will always remember that Ronnie got on to me, which was when I was being very disrespectful to my mother. I maintain I was an awful teenager. Uh, I was He's very, right. He's not lying. <laughs> I was extremely disrespectful. Uh, it was their fault because they were my parents, but uh, it didn't excuse the fact that I was quite uh, self What's the word? Self-involved, self, <laughs> self-centered. Yeah, and uh, you know, talk to my mother like an equal and uh, less than an equal at times. And I remember Ronnie telling me I was probably all of sixteen or seventeen. And I had all my all my hubris up, and he said, "Boy, you are not beyond spanking." <laughs> <laughs> and I was so confused <laughs> as to how to proceed. Because I wanted to tell him off, but he just threatened to spank me, and he was still a little bigger than me. I believe I just got a bit huffy and left. Probably. I guess that's it, folks.